the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. Week six in the books. We are here 12, 19 a.m. on the East Coast. And uh, it was it, like we don't have the number of upsets to break down. But, God, it was a soggy and sloppy day of college football everywhere. I mean, there was controversial endings. There were bananas endings. Uh, the, you know, even like the this last little window where we had, what was the final line on uh, Alabama and Ole Miss? Was it 23 and a half? 23 and a half, 24, yeah. Hey, Barton, lock agreement. The over. Damn near covered with uh, just one team only. I mean, this it's just a a defense optional scenario all across the board. Top five teams losing. Uh, I I feel like we should we should start with the most pressing question of the day. Barton Simmons, is BYU still in your top ten after a twenty seven to twenty win against UTSA? Yo, everybody else lost. So I mean, it's like they're they're hanging around. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't know what I'm going to do with BYU. I hadn't gotten there yet. In fact, I started doing messing around with the, uh, my top 25 or CBS poll stuff. Like it's just nonsense. Like the, the trying to put together a top 25 or a top 50 right now is just total and complete nonsense. Um, so tip of the cap to you, whoever has like a ton of conviction about your top 50. Uh, but today was awesome. I loved today. And it wasn't just because I hit two over 70 overs, over 70 plus overs. The over army, all my supporters out there came out of the woodwork and start offering me support and saying, fight the good fight, man. Keep on going. We love you. So the silent silent majority out there, I I hear you. I hear you. Stay strong. We're going to keep doing this thing. Uh, But no, this was like, we got to the end of the night. And I was like, kind of writing, jotting down my notes of things to talk about in this, on the show. And, and I, by the time I got like kind of through some, a bunch of these games, I was like, I forgot about Oklahoma, Texas. Yeah. Like that happened. Like it felt like that happened like a week ago. And, and that was, that was, that was a, an insane game. So just another great day of the best sport in, in the world. Felt like it happened a week ago and it lasted a week. That, was, <laughs> that game was like five hours, man. And yeah, congratulations on getting extremely lucky with your over in right. that game. Cause you were, you were in the text thread, you gave up on it. I don't know if it was a blatant jinx attempt or what, but you were texting that, uh, the over's dead in red river. Oh, I'm never going to get it now. And the iconic 
Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger led That's the right. comeback. It man. took my it took my icon. You know, there's a major iconography check, and Sam Ellinger Ellinger stepped forward and said, "I'm still, I am still an icon." Like, and, we agree uh, I'm that get you that over. We agree that both those teams still suck, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, neither of those teams is a top twenty-five team. <laughs> like, yes. Is it bad if I still don't want to give up on Texas? Like, have I just like? Yes. Am, am, oh okay. God, man! Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's bad. I need to check myself into some Texas rehab if I'm like still coming back to it. Because that, I mean, I, I see what you're like. I, I understand what you're trying to cling to. There is just like, oh man, look how resilient they are, and oh look how like Sam Ellinger can put you on his back, and oh, you know that defense showed some improvement. But ultimately, those were two pretty average teams that were just letting each other back in the game. And I don't, I just don't think that was good football at the end of the day, which is crazy because those are. I mean, and and and, and the, look, I, I don't know. Do we want to get into that game right now? Sure. Should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Open it up. Okay. All right. So here's here's the thing about the this OU Texas situation is neither of those teams are top twenty five teams, but Oklahoma has an excuse. They have a lot of excuses. Their best two defenders are not on the field. The Jalen Redman and and Ronnie Perkins. It's the first year of a, of a new quarterback. Their top what three running backs are all out. Um, oh, because um, Seth McGowan ruled out before the game. And yeah, you're so counting- top, like, really, like if, you, if you're going back to Trey Sermon, who transferred right. out, they, they're down to like top four running backs because Kennedy Brooks opted out. Right. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is, is suspended, and I forgot McGowan. So so literally, you got your top four backs at this point. TJ Pledger's year. a wide receiver, right? They were putting uh, a wide no, receiver. No, no, no Pledger's a running okay. back. He's just, but I mean, he's just been, like he's not that guy. And so, I just think like oh and 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 you got uh, Jaden Hazelwood is hurt uh, from the spring. Uh, the Trajan Bridges is hurt or, or, or suspended. Like there's all these guys that are out, and so this is we've been saying it. Or I've been saying it, like this is the year to get Oklahoma because this is like this. If Oklahoma is is a conference champ this year, they're never not going to be. This is just the year. There's no excuses for Texas though. There's no excuses, and that and that's the thing that makes the not only that they. Like, I mean, because the game was crazy and fun and all that stuff, but but the way Texas played that game through the first, what, 55 minutes mm-hmm. was penalties, sloppy, you know, turnovers and inopportune moments. Um, just didn't look like a, a high – didn't look, a, didn't look well coached and didn't look like a – just like a high-quality football team. And this, yeah. is, this is year four. They need to be. Yeah, that was, a, that was a Wednesday night game between Toledo and Kent State. Except it had pedigree. That's real. I mean, that's what was the difference between that game and like the ooh action that we all get excited about, where it's like, yes. hey, it's not great football, but it's fun, it's silly, it's entertaining, and we're all going to have a good time. That's what that was. That was not a too, that was not two good teams playing an exciting game. That was two mediocre to slightly above average teams playing an exciting game. Action like, with a, like a deep fried Oreo. Yeah, exactly. Deep fried action in the heart of Texas. <laughs> It, it was not a good game. Like I was watching it and I was, in, I was amused by it, I guess. I think, yeah, I would say it was amusing more than it was enjoyable. Cause like, I was just watching it, like shaking my head, laughing at it more than I was thinking, wow, this is, this is a great game. I hope this lasts another three hours. Did you guys see So I thought it was interesting, like, because there's so many points scored and all that stuff. And this is classic Texas OU Red River robbery, but this was, Yards per play in this game 
was 4.8 to 4.9. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like the defenses actually were played pretty good. Like yeah. the, I shouldn't have hit my over. Like I really shouldn't have. Like the defenses played good football and there wasn't even like a, like, so, so. Is Texas's offensive line trash or did Oklahoma have its best game of the season actually applying pressure on the quarterback? I think Texas's offensive line is not great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if yeah, I'd go, go as far as trash. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think oh you played. I don't think oh I think oh you played. You got to give them some credit, but I don't think Texas offensive line is great, and they can't run the ball, and they can't. I mean, so I just man, there's just nothing. There's just not a lot to be excited about this Texas team, and at this point in the Tom Herman tenure, that's a, I think that's a problem mm-hmm. be- because of the stakes and because of the the teams that were involved and because of the drama of the sort of struggle and the need for both of those teams to win, it felt like everybody was all dialed into the game. It felt like everybody was along for the ride. And if they weren't during the game, like especially when, Tom, you were making a comment about how you're like, yo, I'm going to take this off the iPad. This is bad. I don't even want to watch it. But by the time we got into like the fourth, middle of the fourth quarter and on, it sort of felt like everybody had sort of jumped in and we were all along for the ride. And then all the twists and turns that happened sort of put me in this place where just totally lost in the sauce of the immediate aftermath of it, especially after both teams missed field goals in overtime. I mean, that was awesome, right? I mean, it was like, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know if awesome is the word I would no, use to describe awesome it. is the word. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, <laughs> we don't want, like, we don't, we don't require perfection from college football. You know, yeah. you, you talk about Maction being something that, you know, we all get drawn to for, for quirkiness. But, you know, if you're trying to view the whole college football landscape with who's competing for the national championship, then you're going to miss out on a lot of just wild. You're going to miss out on Navy Tulane. You know, you're going to miss out on some games like this. And especially with the desperation involved and, uh, you know, Tom Herman, Lincoln Riley, these two like proud programs, it only added to the stakes and the drama and just sort of the reach of the number of people that were interested or at least invested in the outcome. And so I just, I mean, in again, immediate aftermath, lost in the sauce, my little jot on my notepad, I was like, this Red River rivalry was like another mark for the national championship is overrated. Because that's like, that's a good college football experience. It was not a good college football game and good college football was played very rarely within the contest. But that was something that there was a shared experience where everybody was like, oh, I need a cigarette. That was fun. I feel like that would be a great slogan for the Big 12 now. The national championship's overrated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has been, hasn't it been <laughs> for like, I don't know what, uh, even, since 2005, 15 years. Yeah. For the last 15 years, the big 12 national championships are overrated. Come for the fun. We'll give you a to go box. <laughs> Speaking of big 12 games, how about that Alabama Mississippi game? Yeah. Dude. The, the, so, couple couple stats uh, from that game. Let me pull them out here. Uh, 111 points scored. Hit the over is <laughs> the most in a non non overtime SEC game in 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 the history of the conference. Uh, the 
what was it? Six hundred and what? 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 Uh, how many yards did Ole Miss have? Six hundred forty-four. Uh, yes. Something like that. Six forty-seven. Six forty-seven. Six forty-seven was the most ever put on a Nick Saban defense. Um, but here's the. Oh, this is the stat that's unbelievable. Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, it is Ole Miss. This is from this is from Roger Sherman's Twitter. Ole Miss's defense prevented 41 yards of offense tonight. So to be clear what that means, on 11 drives, they allowed nine touchdowns, forced a punt at the 40, and a fumble at the one-yard line. If Alabama had gained every possible yard, they would have gained 600, 764 yards. Instead, they only gained 723 <laughs> That's, that's some glass half full. Hey, we stopped them from getting 41 yards. Shout out to okay. Roger Sherman. There we Not go right there. Teams can do that. And that, that, yeah, that, that game was, I mean, I don't want to sit here and do like the whole thing where I'm calling the big 12 game action and then saying this game was great, but I do feel like this game was better executed. Like defensively, it was still a complete mess. And in a weird way, I feel like Texas, Oklahoma defensively were probably a little better than both of the teams in this game. But just as far as offense is concerned and scheming things and getting things happening, I thought like this, this was a very fun and interesting battle between Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, two guys who have known each other for a very long time, have coached together for a very long time, you know, going way back to their time together at USC and, you know, two guys who are friends. And I thought that that felt like in a weird way, it felt like two friends playing NCAA football on the PlayStation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it did. And that's exactly what happens if you play 15-minute quarters, which is why you only play five-minute quarters and it doesn't get out of hand like that. I mean, the efficiency was there, certainly. So I do you come away from it? Um, I I don't come away with it with any major adjustment for Alabama. I mean, it looked like... I don't know. I mean, looked, I, look, I mean it, I've, I've been very much a pro-Ole Miss offense guy. And right. I've been, I, like, well, that's the whole reason that I believed in this game and all the points that are going to be scored. So... I, I I do think that there's not there shouldn't be like hand wringing necessarily over Alabama's defense, but I mean, I like I, what I asked like I want to know what the like what 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 is what's the, what are we calling it that Roger Sherman said the uh, uh, forty one yard Ole Miss prevented yeah yards prevented <laughs> like what are, what are Alabama's yards prevented yeah. I mean Ole Miss was Ole Miss was, was got it rolling pretty good. Um, so I, I think that there is some concern here about particularly maybe the secondary. I mean, Daniel Wright was, was letting Kenny Yaboa run free an awful lot out there at, in, in the back end. And like Ole Miss was just, I mean, they, this was a, a secondary that came into the season and experience and people had their doubts and questions or whatever. So may, maybe we need to continue to keep an eye on that. I did notice there was a one point, um, I, I don't know. Was, I don't know if it was just sort of one shot or they showed a few of them, but you're starting to get the old like Pete Golding, Nick, Nick Saban pacing around Pete Golden, <laughs> yes. just like yelling into the like like yelling into the air around him. Yeah, uh, like we have with Lane Kiffin, like the old like Saban yelling at his coordinator shots. So that that's never a good sign. That was actually where I was going with this. I'm I'm not over. I'm not adjusting specifically my thoughts for Alabama as a team. Like I think that. 
Alabama will get lured into games like this. Like even really, really good Alabama defenses have gotten suckered into a 46 to 41 game against Ole Miss. Like it's just, it, it kind of will snowball out of control, but the, the, the takeaway was that Pete Golding is no longer like whatever the honeymoon phase was for him is, is done. Like this is it. Like he started the season with all these narratives and all these quotes about how uh, this group is really looking to uh, prove that last year wasn't us. We're going to reestablish our identity. And that message has resonated to enough. I mean, look, I repeated it like Brad Nessler talked about it on the SEC on CBS postgame show on CBS Sports HQ. Like, well, I think that that tie defense it's going to keep coming along week after week. Like it's the the Alabama information machine got enough people believing that there was going to be a big step forward and maybe there's not going to be a big step forward. I still think that Alabama as a team still is good enough in the right places to win a national championship. I mean, shocker, you know, big stretch right there, I'm sure. But it's not like this is going to be a, a massive red flag for me, especially going into Georgia week because Georgia's not Ole Miss and Georgia's not going to stress Alabama the way that Ole Miss can. And there's only, you know, maybe five or six teams in the entire country that would be able to, like, ha- have those same kinds of advantages. So I... I loved the I loved the uh, the Pete Golding shots. Uh, it's so, just it's awesome. We, we don't see offenses putting up six hundred yards on Alabama very often, but it's not like this is crazy because you know LSU put up five hundred and fifty nine yards on Alabama last year in that forty six to forty one win. That was the best team of all time. Mm-hmm. But Barton, going back to your question, Alabama's defense prevented one hundred and forty one yards tonight. If we don't count the end of the halves. They got two yeah. punts and two field goals. So 100 yards better than than the Rebels defense was just a stellar performance from the Alabama <laughs> defense. But I, I think the difference is, though, like when we talk about the Oklahoma defense or the Texas defense or the Big 12 defense in general, compared to what Alabama's was, because Alabama's defense had a horrible night and Alabama still won by 15 points. And the difference is because the, the simple fact of the matter is that a well-executed offense is always going to beat a defense no matter how good and how talented the defense is. So that was always the fallacy of the SEC in recent years where they were talking about how they had great defenses. They did, but there weren't any great offenses in the conference to beat them on a regular basis either. We've seen in the last few years that the SEC has better executed offenses that have now molded and blended with the better talent that they have compared to everybody else. And this is what's going to happen where we're going to see Alabama give up you know, numbers like this and a game like this. But then the, the, we'll start seeing, you know, like people talking about, oh, well, if this was a big 12 game, people would be saying it's just terrible defense. But the difference is this doesn't happen to Alabama every week. This happens to a lot of big 12 teams every week, like Oklahoma the last few years, this was happening to them. Not, not, not to this extent where it's 650 yards, but that was happening to them almost every week by just about anybody in the big 12, not just the best teams in the conference, like the bad teams in the conference were able to do it. And, so I, I, I'm not super concerned about it as far as Alabama going forward, because I don't know how many offenses they're in the conference that they're going to run into, like the one that they played tonight. I don't I mean, that might be besides Alabama, that might be the second best offense in the SEC. So they might be through that. And I don't think they're going to see anything like it again until they get to the SEC championship at the earliest when they get to Florida. 
If. Whoa. Ew. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not there yet. Uh, so before we get to that, um, I like, so yeah, Alabama is not a big 12 team, but Ole Miss, Ole Miss is a big 12 team. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what <laughs> yes. they do right there. Like that's, that is it. And so, but I think it's kind of like, first of all, thank, like, thank, thank God, thank the football gods for Lane Kiffin and his arrival in Oxford. Like what a perfect fit. And we thought it was perfect, but it's already like exceeding all of our expectations. He's, he's trolling Saban. He's like narking on the Saban son group text. Yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, whoever else is in there. Um, and, and, I, and I actually think like that this game is 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 a probably a pretty like I don't know I'd be worried right now if I'm Alabama not 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 in like the the broader sense but just in the sense of what this matchup is going to look like moving forward because yeah Saban has dominated and I think we've talked about this a little bit but like Saban yeah Saban's what now eleven and 12 and whatever he is against his former assistants but the reason. I think it's 21 and 0. Okay, sorry. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Okay. You're right. So, 21 and 0 now against former assistants. And part of the reason he dominates those guys is because Saban has the blueprint, Saban has the best players, and those guys are using Saban's blueprint. Well, Kiffin has got all the, you know, he knows the way Saban does it, but he's not going to try to out Saban Saban. And this is going to be a guy that's going to be able to move the ball. And, and he's, and he's, I think exceeding my expectations in year one, I knew we, I I thought he'd be a good offensive coach, but I mean, goodness gracious, like this is, this is absurd. And so I I think this is really fun to have Ole Miss, Ole Miss looks like the disruptor that it was under Hugh Freeze right now. And, and it's not going to be this year because their defense just isn't good enough, but they'll get some players on defense and they'll start playing better there. And, and I just think, having Ole Miss as that sort of thorn in the side of the SEC Blue Bloods, especially with Lane Kiffin as the face of that program, is going to be hella fun. Yeah, Lane's going to get him at least once. I think that's what the main, main takeaway from tonight is they're, they're going to get him at least once while Lane's there, assuming he's there for a few years. So it's just, yeah. I, can, you want you guys want to have some box score fun with this one? Yeah. This is a really fun box. Box score boy, BSB, take us there. All right. First of all, uh, Alabama was six of seven on third downs. Ole Miss was four or four on fourth down. Uh, let's see. Mac Jones, 417 yards, two touchdowns. <laughs> How do you throw for that many yards and only two touchdowns? Devontae Smith, 13 catches, 164 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Waddle, six catches, 120 yards, no touchdowns. How do you catch all those passes and not catch a touchdown? Najee Harris, this is why. Najee Harris, 23 carries, 206 yards. <laughs> Five touchdowns. And then on, on the Rebels side, Matt Corral, 21 to 28 for 365 and two touchdowns while he also rushed for 40 yards. But the Rebels had two guys go over 120 yards rushing and Snoop Connor and Jerry and Ely Connor getting 128 and two touchdowns. Ely getting 120 and two touchdowns. And don't worry, their receivers, there's plenty there for them too. Elijah Moore, 11 catches, 143 yards on 11 targets. Every single target to Elijah Moore was caught. <laughs> Kenny Yaboya, seven catches for 181 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. So he missed one. So not a perfect night for him. 
I, I was uh, right now. Scout is is doing um, soccer, right? And when you go to these soccer games, there's always like the one. There's like the one kid on the other team who who's like, you know, probably turned eight or like is about to turn eight and can like just like places in like the seven and under, you know, whatever. And, you know, he's probably going to start shaving when he's like 12 or whatever. And he just scores, like he scores like 25 goals over the course of like a 20 minute game. And it's just no one else. Like everyone else is just like, come on, asshole. Like, just like, <laughs> let, let us, let someone else play. Like, that's kind of what I feel like watching Najee Harris against that old Miss team. Like, it looks like the big brother. <laughs> It looks like the 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 kid that's that is is going to get disqualified from the next Pee Wee football game because he's over the weight limit. Like he's just beasting those those guys, and it was just a it was a it was like a a, a very uh, animalistic performance by him. And I, I was I was I mean, look, I know Ole Miss defense isn't any good, but that, that was fun to watch. Najee Harris could have been a first round pick last year. Came back for his senior season. And finally today, after all of those career carries, just had his first career fumble. That's right. And I and you know what terrible game for him. (laughs) And 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 you could have you could have made a case that that was a uh, that was a stop of forward progress. Um, But I guess it was pretty bang bang. You guys want to know? So the dentist sucked me into um, playing a little more on that game than I would have anticipated. He hit his max. (laughs) <laughs> with his with his bookie on the uh, on Bama first half and uh, Ole Miss or no and and uh, Alabama team total and so he called me to see if I would like get more for, like, get more <laughs> for him so I like got in on it with him and so I just I just sort of had and so he just doubled up whatever I put down because I, I like he made me max out my bets and <laughs> and. So I lost the Bama first half bet. And so I was sort of in a bad mood. And, and then, but you know, like the rest of the game, it was just, all right. And we put more on the, on the uh, Bama team total. And clearly the, the game total was going to hit. So it ended up being a good night, but it was, uh, the dentist had me in a bad mood in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not so bad that you're going to Danny Cannell not go to the dentist for five years or anything like that. <laughs> no, like I said, we ended up being we ended up being nice, like like we ended up good. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I was well in as well. Um, so the let's go Georgia Tennessee. I mean, our beloved dogs. Thing stands out to me is that in three games. Georgia has allowed six second-half points. One field goal in the third quarter against Arkansas. One field goal in the third quarter against Auburn. Uh, You know, Barton talks about it. It is mentioned often, but it is the boa constrictor defense, and it's like the second half is when you just... You run out of breath. You can't do it anymore. You, they're too big, they're too strong, and they're too consistent. And that Tennessee offensive line, like this, the only the rest of the season will tell whether it is a poor performance or whether we maybe had misjudged it. But a Tennessee offensive line that we had really propped up as something that was going to not only change Tennessee's fates this season, but like specifically in this matchup and in this game 
kind of feel like they had their lunch eaten by Georgia's defensive front in that second half. The second half for sure. And so I, I come away from it. I mean, Georgia's number one, I thought that like sort of like you mentioned on the text, Tom, I'm not all in on Stetson Bennett, the fourth, like is, you know, they, there's going to be a real effort to sort of prop up the mailman moniker and to sort of keep this whole, like, Oh, isn't it awesome? But I'm, I'm also interested in what JT Daniels has got. What, um, what old BD Daniels has got going on. And I feel like, (laughs) I feel like there's just, it's, there's, there's a brighter future for this Georgia offense. Uh, and I'm not, it's not going to happen before Alabama, you know, cause th- this was always the run, right? Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama. We weren't going to see Georgia elevate itself offensively until week seven or week eight. Once it has some time to get more reps in it. But I don't know, man, that de- I think that defense is good enough to, I'm not picking Georgia to beat Alabama tonight, but I could sucker myself into it by Tuesday. See, first of all, I wonder if how much hell Kirby's going to start when he, where he's going to catch if he tries to shut down the mailman. Like you know, anyway. Yeah. Ha ha! Topical jokes. No, it's uh, I mean that's the thing. After watching Alabama tonight, I was already watching this game because I was live blogging it, and I was sitting there as I'm watching sets of Bennett, and it's it's kind of like you know Barton's mentioned. You know, he's he's got a lot of Jake Frommish qualities to him in that. He's 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 not going to lose the game for you. He's not really the kind of guy that's going to go out there and win games for you most of the time, at least not against elite teams. But he makes plays. He doesn't screw up, although there were some times today where he made some bad passes and got away with them and did not pay the price for him. But then watching Alabama tonight, I couldn't help but think I was like, man, I, I don't know if Georgia can beat Alabama with Stetson Bennett, not with the way that this Alabama offense is playing. And I know I know that that defense, the, the Mississippi defense, makes a lot of offenses look really good. But still, just the way Alabama's offense has played all season against Missouri and then last week as well against uh, Texas A&M. I mean, Mac Jones is playing phenomenal. Everybody in that offense is playing phenomenal. And if they're in a situation where they have to be in a shootout against Alabama, I do don't think Stetson Bennett is the guy that can do it. And we go back to last year, like part of our thing with Georgia was when we were Georgia haters was like, we wanted them to, you know, revitalize the offense. And part of that was having a quarterback. Like we saw Alabama get, we saw LSU get, you know, they needed that guy. And I still, I just don't think Stetson Bennett is that guy. I don't know if JT Daniels is that guy yet, but I think that at least he has the pedigree to possibly be that guy. So I, I don't know that it's good enough, but I will say the defense is phenomenal. But like I said earlier in the show, a great defense is always going to lose to a well-executed offense, no matter what, especially if it's one that has as much talent as Alabama has. So even though this defense has been just phenomenal and I have enjoyed watching it and it is just the boa constrictor doing, you know, it Jarrett Grantano looked like a good quarterback in the first half of this game. And then he looked like everything that you've ever criticized Jarrett Grantano for being in the second half. And it was just awful. Like they were getting to him quickly. Like, in you know, he was fumbling, he was throwing interceptions and they were just pressuring him from every single angle. And he didn't know where the blitz was coming from on any single play. They kept him guessing they were in his head, completely blew him up in the second half. And it was really fun to watch. It's just, I, I don't know if they could do that to Alabama. Yeah. I mean, the, the Alabama matchup is going to end up being sort of, what do you, I mean, you're either gambling on or betting on uh, a great, 
a great defense with a average offense or a great offense with what we think may be an average defense. And um, I don't know the answer to that right now, I, I, but I, I, I am certainly marveling at the way they suck the life out of Tennessee. Um, like the, the first half was such a, it was a bit of a mirage because, you know, Tennessee had the, the touchdown with the snap that went over the quarterback's mm-hmm. head. Um, you know, Guarantano hit on hit like two big throws to, to Josh Palmer. Um, and it was just like, if you really look at the way the half broke out, you could kind of see what was coming in the second half. And it, it, it but it, <laughs> it came, I, I think with in a, a hurry. Lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it came with like a magnitude that I don't think that we were quite ready for, but this is like, this is a Georgia defense that is, Heading into this year, we thought this was had a chance to be one of the best defenses, you know, maybe the best defense Kirby Smart has coached. Um, and so that they're doing this shouldn't be a surprise, but, you know, it's, it's going to make next week's matchup that much more fun. I do want to say on the Tennessee side of things, that's a good team. It's I, the final score is not great. The offense but they weren't able to run the ball. Guarantano was a turnover machine in the second half. Defense was pretty the, good, but that defense is good. Yeah. Yeah, they they played really well. They like Georgia wasn't really able to run the ball all that well itself. They had a couple big fourth down stops. They had one at the goal line right before halftime to hold on to the lead. They had one earlier in the second quarter when Georgia went for it on fourth and one in their own territory. They got stuffed, and that was right before you know a touchdown from Gorantano to Palmer on the very next play to give them the lead originally. So the defense was doing everything you wanted. And plus, after Gorantano, you know, he threw he fumbled on their first possession in the second half, and he threw an interception on the second one both deep in their own territory and the Tennessee defense held Georgia to a field goal both times that defense did everything that it could possibly do to put the Vols in a position to win that game but the offense just let it down too many times Kirby Smart doesn't trust the mailman Kirby Kirby Smart doesn't trust the mailman at all what's the mailman joke I don't get the mailman joke that's his nickname who's 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 the mailman Stetson Bennett Stetson Bennett like the players call his teammates call him that oh I didn't oh like, Dude, apparently, I, I saw the part where they call his dad Big Stet. See that part? <laughs> <laughs> they showed a graphic in the game. Like, here's Stetson in his background. They call his dad Big Stet. It's like, oh, sick. I could have the story wrong. Jamie Erdahl went over it during the game, and I was only half paying attention. But apparently, like, during camps, he would wear a, a mailman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a great story. So, really. yeah. All right. Good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in. It was. It was third and eight, and Kirby Smart decided to run a halfback draw. You yeah. know, like there was. There was a lot of like third, third and long, and we are not going to ask. Stet- I mean, Tennessee dropped two interceptions, and mm-hmm. there were a couple other bad throws too. I don't know. I I, I hated that. Uh, that one of my like lingering opinions out of this was like, hey, whoa, 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 let's let's pump the brakes on on holding him up as the, uh, as the, as the great champion of Georgia's success. But you know, let's, let's see what JT Daniels got going on. Um, okay. We got uh, a couple options. We can talk about how, uh, Sam Pittman got robbed or <laughs> we can, uh, we, we can talk about the most hilarious result of the entire day. Never doubt chips. It would be hilarious principle. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> it's just hilarious <laughs> that a very, very good Florida team, one that Barton just said moments ago, you know, he's got him penciled into the SEC championship oh, game. No. Oh, that was <laughs> oh, dude, not put that on me. I, I have it penciled in. It was a slip of the tongue. I meant if, all right? To, I, I think that Florida is a very, very good team, but they blew it. They went yes. to, to COVID Station, Texas, against Texas A&M. Like, was I the only one getting anxiety attacks from the crowd shots at Kyle Field? Didn't they do the full, like, 12th man sway, too? That, that stadium was packed, man, and there was nobody wearing a mask as far as I could see. I was like, oh, and I, it's like the last seven months of guys, like, oh, my God, they're all going to die. <laughs> So, uh, Texas A&M wins 41 to 38 Florida's defense. It just gives up so many third down conversions. And, uh, you know, it's like Texas A&M, Texas A&M wasn't like, there were a couple of big key turnovers that essentially broke their way all at very opportune times. Kyle Pitts was uh, dealing with an injury, but was playing through it, but limited and missed a couple of, uh, series and in, in, games like this possessions certainly matter but i again as as i said going into it i'm not coming out of it thinking that florida is any different we knew that the defense was a little bit of a weakness from i don't know the first game against ole miss and for texas a&m i don't come out of it thinking that uh I think that Texas A&M will end up getting a high ranking for the people that value quality losses, you know, cause it's win is against Florida and it's only losses against Alabama. But as we continue to pick and predict Texas A&M moving forward, I, I still think they are very much an imperfect team though. Granted the entire sec West looks a little imperfect right now, but, uh, but yeah, pretty hilarious that Florida just, I mean, they, they should have won that game. And they blew it. I mean, they should have. Yeah, they kind of should have. But they also weren't that good on defense. Um, but they haven't been was, against anybody. That's been no, the story. But I mean, yeah. that's if you're not that good on defense, like you're kind of going to have a chance of losing some games. And you probably aren't going to win them all. And so, I mean, I agree that I, it felt like Florida was the better team in that game for most of it. But A&M found a way. And, you know, there's so 17, 17 drives total in that game. And 13 of them ended in scores, two punts and two turnovers. Um, so both teams were pretty much scoring every time they had the ball. And, you know, A&M just, or Florida rather, made, just made the, the turnover in a, in a bad time. But I do think, like, it is interesting how, and I kind of wrote about this today, the, that how, like, this loss or this win by Texas A&M like they go from one and two if they lose this game to suddenly they're two and one and where are they going to lose again? You know, like they're going, I'm not saying they're not going to lose again, but they're, but they, they could very well be favorites the rest of the way. LSU. Auburn. Oh, cause Alabama's in the rear view and yeah. there's nobody else in the division that is definitively better than Texas A&M. I yeah, hear you. So it, it, it just, it, it, it very much like changes the way like this, it was a huge win for a huge win for AM. Like they had to have this, and it, it alters the perspective in a big way. First top five win at Kyle Field. Anybody know? 
since. Uh, if you give me two seconds to look in our game notes, I could no. figure it out pretty quick. 2002. Damn. Texas A&M, first Texas A&M top five win at Kyle Fields. It's 2002. And it's the first one in what, nine tries for Jimbo, I think? I think it was, uh, eight, yeah. eight, or nine, eight or nine tries. Something like that. So was that worth $15 million? $15 million win for Jimbo Fisher? No, it no. wasn't. But at least it gets him, you know, it 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 gets him heading in the right direction at least now. It, it's, um, it's a lot better than a loss would have been. That's that is absolutely true. Okay, how how uh, upset were you by the fact that what appeared to be a dropped a drop by Bo Nix on, on a hold on hold on before we leave the A and M game? Are we are you were you leaving the A and M game? I, I was. De- I mean, if if y'all okay. want to continue to to linger did, on it, did you guys see Jimbo Fisher coming off the field at the end of the game, just like like yelling, sort of like maniacally at like sort of nothing just 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 pumped basically just like yeah. like testosterone like like bolt like okay so that was a, that was a sight it was pretty fun to see Jimbo Fish it was like a it, it was it was like a, a reminder that while these guys might be composed in their press conferences like these are all psychopaths. All <laughs> these guys yeah. these guys are all the guy like they've all broken countless like video game controllers because they're pissed off that they lost when they're in college and they've all like yelled at rec league refs incessantly and like they're all maniacs. So I thought that was, I thought that was really like fun to see. Um, and also Kyle Pitts is still a, like a freaking freakazoid. Like he's the, the thing that, that kind of was, was my like comparison that, that came to me when I was like watching him catch these footballs is he, he, he contorts his body and he has his body control and his hand, ball skills and hands that you remember when you play video games and like, the, I don't know, I haven't played video games in a long time, but like it used to be like a wide receiver sort of running a, an out or a crosser or a mm-hmm. post or something and the ball hits them like in their ass and, the, and it's like a catch. Oh, the so game just sort of like gives it to him? Yeah, the ball hits him like the back the of the head and it just like becomes a catch and all this. And it, like that feels like the way Kyle Pitts is. It just doesn't matter where the ball is thrown. He just figures out a way to make a catch. And my last point on on this game is Kellen Mond, like, good on you. You know, it wasn't a perfect showing either, but he just became the all-time leading passer in Texas A&M history. Like, congratulations. Did he pass Ryan Tannehill, who was number one? Uh, Gerard Johnson? Was that it? probably was. I don't yeah. even know, but that makes gonna, that would be with it probably. I was gonna say because Johnny didn't play long enough to get it himself. So. Yeah, I think Gerard Johnson was a four, three or four year player, late two thousands, yeah. and uh, and he was the the player who was uh, was caught there. Yeah, I I gotta say that I was just sort of it was not my number one game during that noon slate. It was it was going on, and uh. Thank, I'm thankful for our listeners who were very, very uh, vocal about the comedy that was about to, like, because nobody was really committed to it until the fourth quarter. Right. Because right. Florida, it, it felt, hey, you just kind of wait, you were waiting for Florida to just put it away. Right. And yeah. they had a lot of opportunities, but there were a couple of turnovers right there at the end that left the door open. And it just came down to, I mean, it came down to Florida might have been better off to let Texas A&M score. Because Jimbo was just doing just like little bit, let it run, little bit, let it run. I mean, just bananas. Okay, Bo Nix 
trying to spike the ball. Looks like it's a fumble. SEC comes out with its ruling. Sam Pittman got to feel it. Sam Pittman does feel like the hogs got screwed out of an opportunity to win the ball game against Auburn. Auburn did not look good period in the game win or lose. They've got to come out of it feeling a little bit uneasy about things. Hogs. I guess we come out of it still like patting them on the back for the competitiveness. Right. I mean, Mississippi yeah. state looked awful against, uh, Kentucky. So, you know, I don't still, still trying to figure out that math. And then LSU, hey. like, you know, still trying to figure out that math. What do we make of the transitive property here with, uh, with what we've seen here on, uh, on Saturday in week six, Mississippi state was clearly still dealing with the body blows that they got from Arkansas last week. You know, you're going to see that a lot. You'll see next week. Auburn's going to look terrible too, because Arkansas is just a very physical football team chip. New principal put it in. The week the after the somebody plays the hogs bet against them. Cause they're not ready for the next bit of competition. I, I, I liked what I see. This is the reason that I kind of like what I'm seeing on Arkansas so far is they played in three games. They've, uh, what have they done? They've won one. They're one and two. Yeah. yeah. My mind's like, but they've been competitive in all of them for the most part. I mean, the Georgia one, you know, got a little loose there, but they're, they've been competitive in all of them and they've all looked a little different. Like all the games have looked a little different. They've had to, to be competitive in different ways. And so I just, I think that's a good sign. I think that's a good indicator. This game, it turned like this game was the game that Felipe Franks actually like, like really actually had a pretty good game. Um, and outdual Bo Nix. And, uh, and, and I think that, I just think that that's a good, I think that they believe and they're playing competitive and they, they, every game they go into, they think that they can win. And so that's, I think that that's significant. And then they got screwed. And then they got screwed. Although I, I want to say they got screwed and I'm wearing, I'm wearing the Arkansas shirt in solidarity with them for getting screwed in that game. But I also empathize with the officials in that situation because like when, like the people are Arkansas fans are mad at them for blowing the plate dead, which is ultimately what ended up killing, you know, the review and the chance of them getting that ball back. But like when you're a ref and you've done a thousand football games in your life and you've seen a quarterback spike a football a billion times when Bo Nick spikes the football, you just think he spiked the football. So you blow the whistle because that's what happens every single other time. And that's what happened here. And it was just the one time it was like, wait, no. He spiked it backwards, which has never happened before. And it's like you're mad at the refs. Like, why are they blowing it dead? Well, that's why they blew it dead, because that's how it always works. So Arkansas got screwed. Auburn got a little lucky. It sucks. And uh, but I'm not I'm, I'm not super mad at the refs for it, honestly. Well, here's why, like, if you're an Arkansas fan, you can't or if you're an Arkansas player, coach or whatever, like you can't be that mad because you know, it took a freak incident of him botching a spike to, for you to yeah. like have this shot. So like, don't go acting like you should like you deserve that. You know, that you don't, you don't deserve for him to botch that spike. You just botched the spike. You didn't do anything to make him botch a spike, but to, to counter what you said though, like, yeah, I agree. The refs have had every reason to blow that play dead. Like there's no reason to think that they would uh, see that in real time and let that play live. But 
we see it all the time where rest blow plays dead and the ball's recovered immediately. And they, on, upon review, they say that, that the team that's, What's well, what's the what's the language they use? You know, well, um, they said the SEC said though. However, because recovery of the football was not clearly made, I know, but it was. I think it was. Like, I don't know how how is that how is that like subjective? I thought it was. I mean, the guy. I don't know what's right? a catch, what's targeting, what's immediate. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I will say for Auburn though, they they found a run game. Uh, Tank Bigsby balled out. Um, they had explosive plays in the run game. Like they hadn't had explosive plays all season long into that point. They had multiple in this game. So that's a good side for them going forward. And, and the other thing for Arkansas is they're doing all this without Rakeem Boyd and, and Traylon Smith is fine, but he's not Rakeem Boyd. And they also, cause I, w- I was watching this game in bits and pieces because for a while their Arkansas wasn't in it. And, I, and so I just, I just watched basically the t- very tail end of it, but Arkansas, a blocked punt, a, a missed PAT, and two missed two-point conversions. I mean, there's your points right there. Mm-hmm. You know, get all those back, and you're in good shape. I got to get my eyes on it. It was the 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 meat of it, everything down there at the end. Tom, you mentioned earlier it was running a little bit long uh, in terms of pace of play over there in that game. And uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a clean game. The uh, the I was on the the Georgia Tennessee post game show. And so all that madness was happening elsewhere. So I got to, I got to get my eyes on it and figure out, uh, and, and figure out how, how our hogs are doing before I put in the, the new body blow principle in place. See, so I, I want to know, are we like officially, I know we're a dogs podcast, but we are now like, are we a dogs and hogs podcast? I think we committed hard to Sam Pittman. Like, so okay, we've always wanna... been yeah, we've always been very much in the Sam Pittman corner. But I feel like we're we're kind of all firmly on board now because of the way this team's playing. Yes, I'm on okay. board, but I can't. I don't know if I can like a. I don't know if I can brand us officially a Hogs well, podcast. Yeah, I've got a shirt now, so I, I'm officially on board. <laughs> Dogs and hogs and yezer. <laughs> uh, LSU's awful, right? I mean, there's just there's no more excuses Man, to this. Their defense is awful. Uh, their defense is uh, Missouri takes down LSU, and hey, you know, maybe maybe this is a, maybe the storyline should be more positive about Missouri. But all of my notes are about how LSU's defense was uh, as uh, I think Billy maybe uh, from at the Valley shook pointed out was uh, eleven haphazardly arranged traffic cones. And so it's like the even he said watching Alabama do this to Ole Miss makes me really excited to see what they do to our 11 haphazardly arranged traffic cones like (laughs) LSU's defense uh, is not like they're doing that thing, too, especially they look like Texas's defense where everybody in the back seven doesn't actually throw their chest or arms into a tackle. They all try and do the shoulder hit. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do the huh, and just see if I can take you down. Um, that's 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 troubling. It's it's troubling for uh, for what to expect out of LSU this season. It's it's the first time LSU has allowed 40 points or more in multiple games in the same season since 2008. LSU is the first defending champion to start the next season one and two since Michigan did it in 1998, although Michigan started 0 and two before finally getting their win. And uh yeah, LSU's defense strikes me as the opposite of Syracuse's special teams. And I think that is a problem going forward. And I don't know. I mean, I, I 
there's still time to work it out, I guess, in a way, but there's really not a lot of time. And I don't know how this season's going to end up looking, but you said there's not that much to take away from the Mizzou side. I think there is. Okay. I, th- I think that if I'm Mizzou and I'm, I'm Eli Drinkwitz and I'm in my first year, you know, they started the season with Sean Robinson at QB in that Alabama game and he played okay. Connor Bazelak came in for a few series and a few plays in that game. And he looked like a kid making his first career college start going against an Alabama defense. But then last week against the Tennessee defense, which we've seen today is pretty good. He showed some signs. And then today against LSU, the kid threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. So I think at the very least, if you're Mizzou, I don't know how great this win is going to look at the end of the year or if it's even really looking now, considering the way LSU is playing this season. But I think you've kind of you might have your quarterback already. And that's a good sign with a new coach and a new offense, and everything going forward to have a new quarterback this established, a young one this early. That usually leads to good things. Are, are either of you ready to apologize to Eli Drinkwitz for calling him a nerd? No, no, because he he still. I mean, I, I I say this with love and respect, but the dude is nerdy looking. <laughs> well, he's a very good football coach, and he's very he, smart. He, he knows how to put together an offense, but I mean, it looks that, like he's been stuffed in a locker or two. Well, that nerd just put up eight point six yards per play against the big bad he LSU did. Tigers. Yeah. That the can, I mean, just think about it. like just. Take that in. 8.6 yards per play against LSU uh, by Missouri with a, what was he? Is, is Basil like a, a, a true freshman? No. A, a oh, retro no, freshman? Retro freshman. Yeah. Um, but also the way they closed that game to win it is, is not only, it, it's, it's such, it's such a just kick in the crotch to LSU is, okay, first of all, we're going to run up and down the field on you. We're going to have, first, uh, our, our, Two of our top three receivers are, are two, two are receiver out. starters are out with COVID stuff. We've got three of our top four defensive tackles are out mm-hmm. with COVID they had, stuff. They had two scholarship tackles on the team today. So we're going to run up and down the field on you. We're going to get almost a first down every play. And we're going to put up, uh, what would they finish with? 40 something? 45. 45. We're going to put 45 on your ass. And then to win the game, you're going to get down to the to the one foot line and you're going to have four plays to score and all you tough guys aren't going to be able to get an inch mm-hmm. and we're going to beat you like that. And I mean, that's just a, that is a bitter pill to swallow. By the way, what a day for goal line stands because M- Mizzou had one. Uh, Tennessee had one on mm-hmm. Georgia. Mississippi had one on Alabama. And then, of course, Clemson had that one, or Miami had the one against Clemson to preserve the under at the very end of that game. <laughs> Dabo running well, everybody else onto the field, trying to get I one was, last touchdown. I, I, I'm like, Dabo, what are you doing running tempo? You're, you're up 22 or whatever in the final minute with your reserves, and he's running tempo trying to get them a touchdown when we're talking about we're four points away from the over. Calm down. Sorry. No, do it. Lock agreement was on the line, and Dabo's out here goofing around, I, I, kicking sixty-yard field goals. Oh, okay. We'll we'll get into the Clemson Tigers and their top ten battle with Miami and more from a week six Saturday next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Um, no one looks good. We say that it's just Clemson and Alabama and everybody else. But even with 42-17 victory uh, against a top 10 team, with a lot of things that I come away from it being like, I thought they had a perfect game plan, or at least a very good game plan on offense and defense, uh, both uh, how they were going to negate Miami's pass rush and how they were going to contain Derek King, make Miami's wide receivers beat them. Like a lot, a lot of things went right, but there were so many penalties from Clemson. There were three blocked field goals. One of them returned for a touchdown. Um, one of them on Dabo Sweeney, and he took ownership of it going into the locker room. But e- even the number one team in the country, one of the few teams that we feel like is like they're one of the only good teams. They they were not in their uh, their championship form, and maybe maybe that'll all be lost when they've got a whole bunch more 20 plus point wins on the score on the schedule. You know, when you pull up their schedule and you just look at it all and they've got 40 or more in every game and nobody else is higher than 30, you just, it's going to all blend together. But in this moment right here, recording on Saturday night, I'm like, man, Clemson couldn't, couldn't get out of their own way in this game. Probably should have won by more. Yeah. But you're, but listen to what you're saying though. Like you're saying, all right, Clemson didn't look great. They didn't have their A game. They weren't playing awesome. But then, what? Like, what was the final? Forty-two to, to forty-two to seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, against the, the top was ten a, Miami top 10 team. team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's like that is exactly what like you want out of a top team. I think. Yeah. No, I, I I got no problems with anything that happened there. I mean, they. I talked on HQ. I talked the podcast how I felt what. Brent Venable's game plan was going to be defensively against Derek King. And that's exactly what they did. They kept him in the pocket and said, if you could beat us consistently by staying in the pocket and moving the ball down the field, go for it. And he couldn't. And, you know, like they had a couple picks. Miami's offense was really ineffective for a lot of the night. Like they had the touchdown late, but that really was kind of, you know, cosmetic more than anything. They had 210 yards of offense. Clemson just completely dominated the game. And like you said, Chip, the only things that went wrong for Clemson weren't really Miami for the most part. That's not to say the defense didn't make plays and they blocked the kicks. They did all that, but it was more Clemson shooting itself in the foot than anything. So, yeah, I I think everybody stinks but Clemson now, honestly. I didn't – I. I mean, this was yet another Clemson game. I didn't really watch that much. God, man, because, just that's okay. It's all right. That's my job. Because, we'll, we'll we'll divide that here on the podcast. You admitted it earlier in the week. You were like, Anna, I I haven't watched much of Clemson. They're always on the side. Tell 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 me what's good about this team. 
Yeah, I mean, I got, I, I got like max bets on this on all <laughs> kinds of sides of Ole Miss, Bama, and points. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm not, you know, but but it, oh, they still they continue to just trudge along and just blow teams out. So they, they, they look like a team that's like in neutral, but they're still like, they, they're still a Ferrari compared to, you know, some Ford focuses out there. You know what I mean? It's like even in neutral, they're, they're still blowing teams out of the water. So yeah, it's, Oh, by the way, Travis Etienne is a 178 yards shy of becoming the ACC's all-time leading rusher. So here's my question. Does he get there next week against Georgia tech or does he need two games? Just What's right. the game. Mm. Uh, he'll, uh, he probably won't get there because he'll be out. Yeah. So against what's, Syracuse in two weeks. Yeah, without a doubt at Syracuse. Yeah. Against Syracuse. Oh, the, the way Duke ran on Syracuse, yeah. Didn't Duke have like another five turnover game, but then they just managed to win anyways? Yeah. 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 Exactly, um, I'd rather not talk about it. So then if if we're if we're still high on Clemson and they just pasted the one of the top contenders in the ACC, are we of any belief that Notre Dame can mount a better challenge? After it let uh, Florida State cover, no. no, but not because of the Florida State cover. Just because I, I think Notre Dame is probably closer to Miami than it is to Clemson. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and I'm not saying they're going to beat them. And I, but I, I do think Notre Dame is. I think Notre Dame is better than Clemson. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 Hold on. No, Coco, we're going to clip that. We're going to put it all over social media. That is not what I meant. I think this is, it is 12.20 a.m. Central Time. The kids got up at 5 a.m. this morning, okay? So this has been a day. But I think the Notre Dame is better than Miami. That's what I was trying to say. It might not be as flashy all the time. But I think Notre Dame is better than Miami. Um, I think, those, uh, I think it, it very well could be. I just don't think I don't think it's a lot better than Miami. Kyron Williams and uh, Chris Tyree is a fun little fun little one two punch right there. And I still think Kevin Austin. I don't even know if he played today, but he didn't have any catches. And I still think there's a chance maybe once he pops up that he's going to have an opportunity to to make some plays on the outside to get some of those guys the ball a little more. Um, Braden Lindsay had a touchdown. You know, the, the tight ends are still really, really good. The offensive line still stacked. And Ian Book is, is, is Ian Book, which is good enough sometimes. So I, I still think that's going to be a tougher challenge. I just, you know, I, I just think, thought. I think, I think they're similar in a lot of ways in that I think Miami has a real problem at the receiver position as far as like a guy stepping forward and being like, you know, the guy, I don't know that he exists on that team. And I feel like we're kind of dealing with the same situation with Notre Dame, but I think that like defensively they're similar. I think they have very good front sevens. It seems like every time I watch Clemson, their corners are, sorry, you're going to, you're just coming to the culmination of your point. I I think that Miami's got the edge at quarterback though, because Ian Book just does nothing for me. No, that's true. Uh, every time I did watch the Clemson game, their corners were making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that for, again, for a team like Miami that's had issues at receiver, for a team like Notre Dame that's not great at receiver, uh, you got to be able to beat those guys. And they they've, they seem to be stepping their game up. Um, 
are you are we not having a lot of uh b- great positive momentum for uh my beloved Tar Heels after finally getting hey, that offense cooking against Virginia Sa- Tech? Sammy finally figured out how to throw downfield again. Well, I mean, they it is very very helpful when the team you're playing doesn't have any of its cornerbacks or secondary because of COVID-19 yes. protocol. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good one to know before the money line sprinkles. Also, why, why didn't, well, I, I do not know the answer to this. Why was Hendon Hooker not starting the game? Do we know? Oh, so he was not the starter at the beginning of the season, which even for the beginning of the season for Virginia Tech was September 26th. Because first NC State canceled, then they had to cancel against Virginia, and Hendon Hooker was one of the players that it's been in this group that's missed them. So they were down 23 players for game number one, win against NC State. They were down 21 players for game number two, win against Duke. They were down 15 players, which is a step in the right direction, but the problem is we got some different players who are out, including the top two starting cornerbacks, and they had already been down some secondary players, and Hooker didn't play in the first game and a half or maybe two games because he had missed so much time leading up to the season uh, because of COVID-19 protocols. North Carolina beat Virginia Tech at its own game today. Oh, running the ball. The one-two punch of Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Run it. Almost Those guys can run it. 399 yards, 9.3 yards per attempt. Like Sam Howell had an efficient day, but he was not the superstar. He dropped in a couple of like nice deep ball touchdowns, but I mean, when it came to winning time and like Virginia, because Virginia Tech outscored North Carolina from the third quarter on, they got into a deep hole early. Then Hinden Hooker comes in, actually gives them more of a passing attack than Braxton Burmeister is able to give them. The Khalil Herbert, you know, things open up because of it. All of a sudden, North Carolina couldn't get any stops, and things looked real dicey uh, after all those good feelings early in the game. But, I mean, they were just like, all right, well, we don't think you can stop us either. And they just kept running the ball with Williams and Carter. So it was a, I mean, I, it, was, it was a very solid win for the Tar Heels, who might end up being number six in the polls tomorrow. They, yeah. I mean, and honestly, that was the more – impressive performance I've seen from them so far. I think that was probably, I mean, defensively, they kind of lost the rope there for a while in the third quarter, but I think overall from start to finish, that was the best North Carolina's looked at any point this season. So if if that's the team we're going to see, if that team can run the ball like that and play like that the rest of the year, and Sam Howell could find that vertical passing game again, like he finally rediscovered in this game, maybe that's the second best team in the ACC now. Yeah, it could be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, dismissing that. Chip, how about your boys uh, at NC State, huh? Oh, you I mean, mean my money line sprinkle? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that good win. Virginia looked bad. Like, Virginia yes. looked at, like uh, it, it was actually hungover. Like it was like, it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just an, Brendan Armstrong looked like not just a body blow. We just played Clemson. We don't care as much about this game, but it looked like Brendan Armstrong got initiated into one of those secret societies that UVA's got, you know, the UVA's got like what, like, like a thousand secret societies. Well, you, I don't know when you watch the game, but 
the person you're t- uh, describing might be Lindell Stone. No, 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 no. I've, I've, we're moving to that because Lindell okay. Stone is a prep school <laughs> legend. Okay, right. you don't Icon. come. You don't come out of Texas and go to the Woodbury Forest School and light up all the prep school records. I mean, I said that. Uh, I texted my boy niece. I said. I actually think that because we were going back and forth about like who's a seven, who's a Z, and uh, one of the secret societies are the imps, and their like logo is a devil. And so I said, yo, Stone Lindell is an imp, three six. That's a devil reference right there. He's out there. He's been on the team since 2017, and he has only played three games since 2017. That guy is is a secret frat superstar, Stone Lindell. (laughs) Well, uh, Lindell Stone. Lindell Stone. Yeah. 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 He, he uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not crediting the proper person here on this joke. I think it was someone in the 24 seven slacker who said this, but like Lindell Stone looked like just a guy that had been, you know, he's, he'd sort of, his time had come and gone and there was another starter and he's just going to ride this thing out. And you know what? Like get, get his letter jacket and um, he's going to ha- hang out at the secret society and drink some beers. And, you know, he wasn't ex- like, like playing it, playing wasn't part of the like deal. He was him. set for like, commercial like, real estate or like investment right, banking right, or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, th- that was, um, Hey, so it was a, it was a valiant, valiant effort by a guy. That, but did you, you see know, Aline McNeil, the NC state uh, yes. defensive tackle with the two hand bat carry it? He's had yeah. an awesome season. He wears number 29, defensive tackle for NC State. Keep your eyes on him if you watch him. And, yeah, NC State played really well. It was a good win. Yeah, I, I was not aware of Lindell Stone before today, and now he's my favorite player in college football because this is this is a quarterback wearing number 36, pushing 250. The bio says 240, but the body says 250. And he just can't, because I, I thought he was like a punter or something, because I had that game on like a secondary screen that I didn't have the sound on. And I thought like Virginia was punting. And I was like, no, wait, no, that guy's in shotgun. No, no, wait, he's, he's taking, he's throwing. And I was like, is this like a trick play? But no, he kept staying in there. Then I had to look him up. I was like, oh my God, new favorite player. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's been, um, I don't know. I feel like he's been, like college has been good to him. So Keaton Thompson just wasn't an option. Uh, I've, I've seen him pop pop in for Virginia here and there at uh, like tight ends. Like they've thrown they've thrown the ball on goal line before. I'm just yeah, I guess not. I don't know. That's so Bronco Mendenhall to have his tight end playing QB and his QB playing tight end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else from the notepad from the day? Uh, let me see here. So Iowa State is. You know, I think they're starting to find their footing a little bit. I mean, um, best game statistically of the Brock Purdy 2020 season. Another 100-yard game for Brees Hall. Uh, I I still – I'm standing pat on Oklahoma State 1, Iowa State 2 in the Big 12. I think that, um, you know, we'll see how that looks. And elsewhere in the Big 12, TCU Kansas State was kind of a weird one. I didn't get any eyes on that yet. I cannot yeah, wait. I didn't see any of it. No Skylar Thompson in the game, and yet K State holds on for a twenty-one to fourteen win. Goodness! That's another team. They just figure like they just kind of figure it out. They just they just piece it together. Um, uh, Max Duggan played, but the offensive line struggled to keep him, you know, keep him upright. Um, Matthew Downing came in and for like four plays and threw a pick six, and that was one of the 
the seven point. There's have seven of the twenty one points for K State. Another, you know, they had, you know, um, Will Howard, their their quarterback, had like an eighty yard run to set up a field goal. Like it was just a, and and then they didn't do a whole lot else, else otherwise. Like it was just a weird game. But um, K State just keeps winning, just keeps figuring it out. Uh, two things. First off, we'll start with the Mississippi State. Oh yeah, Kentucky we got to talk Mississippi State, Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's defense looked phenomenal today and it wasn't just like kj costello throwing a whole you know a handful of interceptions like they were just tackling they look great kentucky's offense like i understand last year all your quarterbacks were hurt and you had to go with lynn bowden i don't know what the excuse is this year because that that offense is so bad but it hasn't been like here's the weird thing about mississippi state they're the best thing about that team right now is it's their the defense. defense. <laughs> like, Kentucky's offense has been good this year. Like it's been legitimately good through the first two games of the season. And, and they just won a game by 22 points with 157 yards of offense. After uh, rushing for like 400 yards last week and losing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. But, but Mike Leach now is. So th- this is this is this is like pretty amazing. A- anyone that's followed Mike Leach out in the Pac-12, this is all very familiar. Like this is this is the Mike Leach experience, and we're getting the absolute full spectrum of the Mike Leach experience in three weeks in the SEC. He week one, he sets the SEC single game record for passing yards. Week two, they get upset by Arkansas. Week three. He he has a scores two points, which is the least amount of points a Mike Lee's team has ever played. It's and the after first the, time one of his offenses has ever been held scoreless. And seventy point or seventy passes, six interceptions, two points scored. And after the game, he makes a comment about how he needs to purge the roster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> which is like every, like he does that. Like he just. He just starts Team's playing fault. players. Players' yeah. fault. Not my fault. My offense is great. Although um, I will say, I can't blame Mike Leach for a lot of the throws KJ Costello made. Oh, did you guys see? Uh, y'all, did y'all see he pulled Costello for Will Rogers yeah. at one point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, and that didn't go that much better. Uh, no. Leach hints that he may have to, quote, purge some players from the team, ones he thinks aren't fitting in with what he's trying to do. Quote, we're going to have to check our group to see who really wants to play here. Yeah, that's the Mike Leach. I mean, I mean, like fat girlfriends sort of came with its own little bit of like, you know, oh, is is this funny or is this like, is he being a huge asshole right now? Like when he called them like zombies and dead body bags, you know, that was just being like mean and cruel. But man, I I am very excited to see uh, what what is what is the Mike Leach purge? Twenty four hours and (laughs) all hazing's legal. <laughs> He's listen. Uh, who's let's see, Mississippi State is going to have to freeze itself from all liability for 24 hours on Halloween <laughs> to see who can survive Hell Week with Mike Leach. Um, speaking of rosters that need purging, Chip, what's up with your Bulls, man? They got their butts whipped by my ECU Pirates. It is not a uh. When, when I when I picked USF during our draft, I 
I, th- I thought that I knew that they were not going to compete for an American athletic conference championship, but I did not expect them to be one of the worst teams in football. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to tell you, like I, even me, like knowing that, like I should have just picked better. app and it's probably going to yeah. be a down year for app, but I was like, I don't want to be lazy about this. <laughs> No, like I, I, I knew that the Pirates were better than USF, but I did not think that it was as bad as it was going to look tonight. Yeah, and and you, hey, you should have picked Charlotte. Dude. Should should have picked Charlotte. Beating up on North Texas today. Well, fade North Texas is a principal right now. Yes. Yeah, man, things are they are bad. Remember, there was just a couple of years ago where their head guy was like the number one Group of Five guy on everybody's list. Seth Luttrell had uh, yeah. was it was that fresh off some Mason Fine love. Mm-hmm. They won like ten games, I think. They went like ten and three, I think. Uh, that was when uh, uh, Graham Harrell was still the OC. Mm. Uh, but got got a uh, got a shout out, my boy Phil Jakovic. Uh, BC beating Pitt. Phil Jakovic is is throwing for like three hundred yards a clip these days. Uh, that team is another one that new coach and just figuring out how to win. They can't run the ball off at all. No, but Zay flowers, uh, Zay flowers, is, he's, he's balling. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, Jakovic finished with three fifty eight passing or something. Um, yeah, so three fifty eight and three. Yeah. I mean, and no picks, I think, right? No picks. Shoot, dude. I mean, game, that game had a few too many touchdowns for my taste. Yeah, that was we we had wins. We were in Chestnut Hill, and I think I mentioned it, but the whiplash as a college football viewer from I'm not going to say packed stadium, but let's say given the times, a lot of fans in Dallas at Red River, you know, and Gus Johnson and like you know the Texas dr- fans flipping the bird yeah the 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 drama the energy the heat of everything there and then on my last button was a dead silent chestnut hill with Boston College <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Uh, did you hear you every guys- single cuss word Narduzzi screaming? Yeah. Well- or did did you guys hear uh, Dan Mullen and his post game presser? No. So so Florida has the governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Yale Bulldog Deke. Shout out is he has has sort of whatever he's lifted the ban on public gatherings and and he's given the green light for stadiums to be full capacity in the state of Florida. And I don't think that. And I don't know who's governing that on Florida's end, whether it's the university or the SEC or what. I did see. I think it's the athletic director. Okay. But Mullen was like, (laughs) we need 88,000 in there. Like, no question. Like, do it. Um, Because he said A&M's fans were a factor in the game. I don't know if that's true or not, but there were a lot of people in there. Florida comes back from COVID Station, Texas, and they're just like, we just got to do it. This is how you win ball games in the SEC. Um, okay, I I don't I think I've got. We talked about that. Uh, I can't believe we didn't include Army in the Citadel as a service academy under. I can't. Uh, yeah. What was the final on that? Fourteen to nine. Fourteen to nine. <laughs> nice. Uh, a whopping. It was. 
Seven to three at halftime. Thirteen points scored total. Uh, South Carolina absolutely put it on Vanderbilt. Great yeah. call there. Van- Vanderbilt might just. Sorry, Barton, but your beloved Commodores might just be truly bad. Hey, that's. I mean, there's a reason I'm fading them. I, you know, I think I, I was actually when when that line or I'm sorry when that score started ticking up I was a little I was kind of cringing a little bit I was like man Vegas might catch on because like this is this is not going to go well this this year for Vandy um and I actually kind of I worried a little bit early because it was a classic rainy day in Nashville 11 a.m central time kick very easy to sleepwalk into that game that was a chestnut hill vibe as well and uh South Carolina just they just warmed down and uh Louisville, zero and three in ACC play. Oof. Yeah, the defense might success rate be damned. <laughs> that defense might if not you be take very good. Out <laughs> all of the explosive plays. They were fine. Then they were fine. They were very our good. Stats are good. I on will the say, plays where they don't on the plays that are less than twenty yards. They're great. <laughs> I will say Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech do appear to be ahead of schedule. How what Hell that yeah. means what that means for them this year, I I don't know. But that team that they're 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 moving they're they're moving in the right direction. I mean, yeah. Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs are true freshmen. Mm-hmm. And those are your offensive superstars. And then you've it's not just them too, because like Malachi Carter at wide receiver, I think is a junior. He's an upperclassman. You've got some defensive players that have stepped up. So you do have that combination of uh the you know top thirty, top twenty-five recruiting classes that Jeff Collins has been working on, along with some leftovers from the Paul Johnson crew that have bought in on being ATL above the line and an effort-based defense. <laughs> Hey, the the effort was lacking. Well, not lacking. The effort wasn't enough on some plays on Friday night, giving up like third and seventeens on draw plays. But other than that, yeah. yeah. All right, we will be back on Monday with much more. We will be taking a look uh, at, at leftovers from the weekend, starting to advance the conversation as well. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cover three. It is multi-platform excellence. You can catch us on the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports HQ. Little programming note, Tuesday's show will be moved from 4 p.m. to 1 p.m. as a result of the NFL schedule always being who knows what. Uh, But we will be here on CBS Sports HQ, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday. But again, subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you can get all these episodes in video form as well. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.